Just a warning for those of us, for those of you that are visiting, we're going to go hard today with the word. Amen. So please don't get offended. Please don't take things personally. Please just, as a matter of fact, let's pray right now. Father, we just ask you, God, that you would prepare the speaker and the listener, Lord God. That you would prepare the mind and the heart, Lord, to receive what you have for us today. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth, that it would fall on good ground, that it would take root, that it would grow, that it would multiply and bless and grow your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. You can lower these, these guys. All right, I'd like to start with a quote. Here's the quote. You're ready? Get your tweeters out. Now, this is too long to tweet, so just listen. Here's the quote. I want to give you a picture this morning. All right. We're making everybody comfortable. Good. Here we go. The cross is the way that Christ gives us an image of God. Jesus was not an innocent third party who was punished against his will to appease the Father's wrath. No, Jesus is himself God. And he voluntarily took our sin and its just punishment upon himself. Hence, the sacrifice does not appease God's wrath. The cross displays God's love. So church, I want you to understand the cross isn't about God's wrath. It's about God's love. I want to talk to you this morning about what's going on in this world in these days in a message titled, Where's Your God Now? Anybody ever been asked that? You hear the tragedies, you see the news the news, you watch the, you, you read the headlines and, and, and people always come to the community of faith and they ask them, where's your God now? Where's your God in all of this? As I sat down to write on Thursday, these were the local headlines. Dozens hurt in a Bronx bus crash. Four hit by lightning in New Jersey. Men charged in violent carjacking. Two-year-old hit by stray bullet in Brooklyn. Two men shot dead in Brooklyn. Three killed in a Patterson house fire. Alleged gunmen arrested in the death of a four-year-old boy on a Bronx playground. And then, of course, all of the updates regarding the Aurora, Colorado shooting, which left 12 people dead, 58 wounded, the young man is being charged with 116 counts of attempted murder because this young man walked into a movie theater with more than enough weapons and ammo to kill all 116 people that were sitting there and then some. And so it brings us to the big question that people ask the community of faith when things go wrong. Where's your God now? Well, church, in the next few moments, I want to humbly attempt to answer that. Not completely, because I, I cannot tell you, unfortunately, that I have all the answers. I cannot tell you that we can explain everything and why 
All the questions that come up with all of the headlines that we just read and the ones that we read every day. But at least here's what we want to do today. We want to be able to equip the believer to deal with that challenge. And another thing I want to do is help the skeptic. If you're here today, and if you're willing to listen, by giving you something, a little something to examine for yourself. Is that all right? Amen? So listen, to the believer, none of this should come as a surprise. How many of you understand that? To the believer, none of this, everything that we're reading, that we're seeing in the world, everything that's happening, that we're reading about, none of this should come as a surprise. Why? Because the Word tells us, Jesus said in John 16.33, He said it simply and plainly like this. You don't need a degree in Greek or, or Hebrew to understand this. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In this world you will have trouble. Somebody say trouble. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation and trials. You'll have distress and frustration. But, be of good cheer. But, take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. For I have overcome the world. See, one of the biggest questions that skeptics ask is, if there is a God, why didn't He just create a world where tragedy and suffering and evil didn't exist? Has anybody ever wondered that? If there's a real God, if there's a real God that people say is loving, that people say, you know, He loves the world, if there's a real God, then why didn't He create a world with no suffering? With no wickedness, with no evil. And you know what the answer to that is? He did. He did. We read in Genesis about all of the creation, the days of creation and the way God created things. And in the end, it says in Genesis 1.31, God saw all that He had made and He said it was very good. So what happened? That's a great question, Jose. I'm glad you're asking that. See, when God decided to create human beings, He wanted us to experience love. And He wanted us to, to be able to give us, to give us the ability to love. And so God had to give us free will to decide whether we could love or not to love. Because love is always a choice. You follow? Love is a choice. God didn't create us to be robots. God didn't make us like Siri. So we can take out your cell phones right now and say, call me Papi Chulo. My Siri calls me that. And she says, what, Papi Chulo? See, a robot will do whatever you tell it to do. Right? So God, in order to experience love... True love always involves a choice. And the problem is when you open yourself up to real love, you give someone a choice, you give them the ability to not love you back. How many understand that? Right? So God gave us the free will to not love Him back. 
Here's the beginning. He told Adam in the garden, you could have whatever you like. Yeah. Whatever. He said, you could have whatever you like. You could, you could have whatever. He said, there's food. There's adventure. There's unexplored land. Adam, enjoy yourself. And then God said, wait, wait, I don't want you to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. And so he created all of the animals by his design. Listen, the reason that evolutionists cannot find, and evolution is still a theory and not a scientific fact, is because evolution can't find transitional fossils that prove that one species evolved into another species. Why can't we find over so many years transitional fossils? Why? Because it didn't happen that way. Because God created all the animals at once over two days, the Word says. So God created all these animals and then He said, Wait a minute, you still need a suitable helpmate. I don't want you hanging out with just the monkeys and the llamas. You need a suitable helpmate. And, and so you, you know the story. God created woman out of the side of man. And then he brought this woman. He woke up Adam. And all of a sudden there was a woman. <laughs> imagine. Fellas, fellas. Nobody get offended, but imagine, fellas, you wake up. And all of a sudden there's this woman. You, you've seen monkeys and birds and turtles and, 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 but now there's this woman naked and smiling. And Adam says, enjoy. God says, enjoy. Be fruitful and multiply. Amen. And, and the word says that they were naked and happy and unashamed. Somebody say he's a good God. And they had communion with each other and they walked with God. And he simply told the man, don't eat from this tree. Because if you do, on that day you will surely die. But now... There were some angels that God created this way and some of them had chosen to turn from God and the, the, the head angel Lucifer started messing with the woman. And, and Lucifer tempted her with the forbidden fruit from that tree and she fell and he fell and we all fell because of that one decision. Now listen, here's where we can start to criticize and we say, but God could have stopped the fallen angel from tempting the woman, right? Why didn't God stop it? God had already entrusted the man to keep her from the tree. Come on, this is heavy stuff now. God, God never told Eve you couldn't eat from that tree. God entrusted the man to protect her, to cover her, to instruct her, to keep her from where she needed to be. But, but we read, and this story angers me in the Bible, because we read in the Bible that one day Eve was by the tree, and the serpent spoke to her. And my biggest frustration there is, what the heck is Eve doing in the one part of the whole garden that she's not supposed to be in, and where is Adam? 
Come on, this is a problem that started right at the beginning and is still happening today. The man is absent. The man isn't where he's supposed to be. The man isn't providing the covering, the, the, the protection, the instruction. If Adam was there and the serpent started talking, Adam, I don't know about you, but me being Adam, Adam was Puerto Rican, I think, right? If, if Adam would have said, yo, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Ain't another animal in this whole place ever talked to me. This little thing is talking to my, oh, oh heck no, right? And, and, and hopefully that would have been dealt with right there. But Adam was absent. She tempted him. She, she was deceived. She fell. He fell. We all fall now because of that. Now, God could have stopped the fallen angel from tempting the woman, but he'd already entrusted the man to protect her. And if God would have stopped Eve, then we would have never been given the choice to love God. From that moment on, suffering and tragedy entered the world. It's a very simple law. When you turn from what's good, you, all you have left is what isn't. Lee Strobel, one of my favorite authors that I like to read, he puts it this way, so much of the world's suffering results from the sinful action or inaction of ourselves and others. For example, you ready for this one? People look at famine and they wonder, where is God in that? Where's your God at? There's little babies starving and they they don't have enough to eat and there's starvation and famine. And people ask, where is your God? But listen, the truth is the world produces enough food for each person to have over 3,000 calories a day. It's our own irresponsibility and self-centeredness that prevents people from getting fed. While we eat $150 steaks, it's our own self-centeredness that stops. God, listen, God is amazing. God gave us food that recreates food. God gave us food that multiplies food, right? There's, there's vegetables and, and oh, there's fruits with seeds in them. And those seeds, you take the seed out and you plant the seed and it gives you more fruit. God gives us, gives us fruit that multiplies. And, and then He gives us the, the laws of, of sowing and reaping. And God gives us the seasons of harvest. It's amazing. God gave us everything that we needed. Listen, people think that they'll blame this on, on something else, but God gave us the perfect environment to live in. He gave us an environment where plants take in oxygen and release carbon dioxide, and humans release carbon dioxide and take in oxygen. That's a coincidence? Can that possibly happen by chance? God gave us the environment that, it, that, that, that there's the exact amount, right mix of nitrogen, oxygen, and carbon dioxide in our earth to sustain life. The exact, if it was off just a little, we couldn't live here. If, if the plants and the, if we didn't balance that the right way, we couldn't live here. There wouldn't be sustainable life. To, to say that that happened by chance, it's like dropping a million bricks from a plane and watching them land into a building and create a building. Like you just drop a random million bricks and it falls and it makes a three-story. 
But listen, it's man's attempt to deny God's authority. We, we run to science to try to figure everything out and come up with untestable, unprovable theories, and we call that smart, and we call faith blind. Come on, you still with me? In my opinion, it takes more faith to believe that this whole world was created by a big explosion and that big bang magically created organisms that become plants that take in carbon dioxide and release oxygen and they eventually became organisms that turned into humans that take in oxygen and release carbon dioxide. Do you understand how ridiculous that sounds? If, if these things weren't designed to work exactly the way they worked from the beginning, we never would have survived to evolve. That's what I, I don't get how, how smart people could, could, could fall for this. It takes more faith to believe that that could happen. Because these are some pretty elaborate designs. Somebody say amen. Think about your eyeball and just the nerves. and the, think, about, think about how we get baby teeth small for our bodies and then the body knows one time that you get big, they fall out and new teeth grow in. Bigger teeth. Can, can, how can that evolve? Do you understand? We, we may have some little buck teeth children, right, with big teeth. It, it, it just, it, it's so perfect. I, I mean, I wish the teeth kept coming out once, they, once we grow, right? But, but it happens only once. How does the body know to do that? This is an incredible, elaborate, take, take a look at this. Surely, surely something as elaborate and as, Bam! As this has to... I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But, but you know what I'm saying. Surely something as elaborate as this has to have a designer. Amen? It has to be designed. This is no accident. Somebody... Do we... Anybody got a coach bag up in here? Give me a coach bag. Why everybody looking at... It's alright if it's a foach bag. Just give me a bag. Oh, oh, somebody lifted up the foach. No, just kidding. Come on. See, it's a sad, sad society. Somebody said that's pretty? See, when you give it that little, that's the coach ring, you know. That's when you know that that's real stuff, right? It's a sad society that worships the designers of bags and clothes and fashion despite their own complexities, deny that they were ever designed. I gotta say that again. It's a sad society that can, can worship. I'm not saying we worship these bags. You understand what I'm saying? It's a sad society. My wife has a couple, so I'm not, you know. A sad society that worships the designers of fashion and despite their own complexities denies that they were ever designed. We worship these designs but look at all of this and deny the designer. Let me explain to you why. Because if we understand and submit that a Mark Jacobs bag was designed with a purpose, any Mark Jacob bags in the house? If we, if we understand that a Mark Jacobs bag was designed with a purpose and we follow the purposes of that designer so that we won't ruin his design, do you go swimming with this bag? You, know, you don't go swimming with a $600 bag, right? 
Because why? That would destroy it. And then you wouldn't dare. Make sure nobody steals her bag. I got an eye on it. You wouldn't dare to, to go back to, to Mark and say, Mr. Jacobs, this bag is all messed up. Do you know that if you keep this bag in the water, the rings get all rusty and the zippers start, stop working? Do you know, Mr. Jacobs, that, that if you carry weights in this bag, the seams start to give out? Do you know that if, if I like to beat my kids with a bag, do you know that if you beat your kids all day with a Mark Jacobs bag, the handles will start to give out? <coughs> because Mark Jacobs might just tell you, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't hold me responsible for that because it wasn't designed to do those things. See, we don't want to acknowledge that we were designed because then we'd have to accept the purposes that we were designed for. Come on. And then, and then we'd have to acknowledge the things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. And then, but, but the thing is, we want to live any way we want and do whatever we want. And then when tragedy comes and we're all messed up and we're left with a broken bag filled with junk that we were never meant to carry, then we want to ask, where's your God now? Romans 8.28 says, all creation longs for redemption. Even nature Nature is longing to be set right. Some, some people ask, couldn't, couldn't God prevent all these tragedies and end all of this suffering? Can He see ahead and can He know that we would turn from Him and, and do all these wicked things to each other? Wouldn't God know that this was going to happen? Why didn't He just stop? Let me give you a poor analogy at best. Parents, we knew... When we decided to have children, especially if you was a sinvergüenza like me, you knew when you decided to have children that there was a possibility that those children would hurt you. You knew there was a possibility that those children wouldn't go the way that you wanted them to go. You know that there was a chance that they might not end up to be the people that you wanted them to be. They could turn on you. They could hate you. But we had them anyway. Amen? It's a poor analogy at best, but, but we, as a parent, maybe we can start to understand that, right? We had them anyway. Lee Strobel writes, He undoubtedly knew that we would rebel against Him, but He also knew that many people would choose to follow Him. And many people would choose to have a relationship with Him, to spend eternity in heaven with Him, and it was worth it even though it would cost him his own son great pain and suffering to achieve their redemption. See, as evil as the cross was, it doesn't reveal God's wrath. As people say, it demonstrates his love. Most of what we call rules and, and religion, the stuff that religion has weighed us down with, most of that is not even in the Bible. But most of the stuff that is in the Word that God says we shouldn't do, that God says we should live a certain way, and we, and we say it's, it's just simple instructions from the designer to the design. Amen? But we've turned so far from God as a nation and as a people that even some of what we call Christianity has to stink to God. 
The Bible warns us in 2 Timothy 3. He says this, I understand this in the last days. Listen, people. In the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The Word told us that this would happen. That He says in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars. He says people will love themselves more than anything. People will love pleasure more than anything else. Listen, if God told us from the beginning that actions have consequences and told us exactly how to live so that tragedies like this would not occur, how can we be mad at Him when His words are proven true? When the disciples sat around with Jesus and they asked him, when is all of this going to take place? What will be the signs? Do you know that Jesus actually gave us the signs? If you read in your Bibles, in Mark 13, starting in 4, they, they were talking to him and they tell him, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? He was talking about when he's coming back and taking his people. And he says, what are, what's going to be the signs? How are we going to know? The Word never gave us a date. So whenever you hear a church or a ministry telling you it's December 12, 2019, the Word never gave us a date. So that's wrong. Purposely. Why, why do you think God wouldn't give us a date? Because knowing the derelicts that we are, we would live crazy reckless up until that morning. Anybody? Some of you are good people, so you'd, you'd live good anyway, right? But a lot of you, you'll be grimy, nasty people until, if you're smart, maybe two or three days before the date that God gave us. Because you want, you want the alcohol to be out your system. You want, well, it's 21 days if you've got to get the weed out of your system. So maybe a month before the end day, you guys will start getting cleaned up. Then the churches will be packed. Right, the month, we would we'd have to have church in the street because everybody won't come to church that day, right? So God never gave us the time. He just says, "Be ready in season, out of season. Be ready." And but here are the signs, though He did give us signs to look for. He says Jesus began to say to them, <coughs> "See that no one leads you astray. Many are going to come in My name, saying, I am He." Has that happened? Every week, right? There's some. Puerto Rican down in Miami saying he's Jesus. People are getting 666 tattooed on them because he's telling them to. My Spanish people, man, you guys kill me sometimes. How you fall for that? The word says, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he that will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines, but these are but the beginning of birth pains. If you've never heard this, this should scare the hell out of you right now. Because if you look at the news and read the Bible, 
and look at the news and read the Bible and keep reading and keep reading, you start to see, whoa, wait a minute, this old dusty book is telling us everything that's happening in these pages. Oh my God. And you start turning and you start turning and you start turning and you start seeing and, and you start saying, wait up, man, something's happening. This isn't just some old book that man made. Man could never have known that the things that are happening today would have happened 2000. They could not have known. That this stuff would have happened the way it's described here. But it is described perfectly. If you read prophecy in, 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 your, in your, your Bibles. Jesus is saying these are going to take place. But be on your guard. For they will deliver you over to councils. And you'll be beaten in synagogues. And you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake. To bear witness for them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Why doesn't God just wipe out the earth with all of the craziness that we read about, right? Don't you think sometimes you, you read, I read how a child killer is going to be, he was just acquitted or he was just whatever. He dismembered an eight-year-old kid. And you read things like that and you say, God, how? Come on. Come on, God. How can things like this happen? And, and you start to think, God, if I was God, would I just I'd be done with these people already? Why does God continue to put up with us? Why does God continue to deal with us? Listen, church, we're in a time of grace. And we need to really accept that grace and really take advantage of that grace and really stand on that grace. Because at any given moment, God could do what He said He was going to do. But what's stopping Him? He says the gospel has to be proclaimed to all the nations. That is the fairness and grace of God. God said, I'm not going to wipe everybody out until each of you have a chance. Isn't that a beautiful, gracious God? I'm not going to wipe you out until you have a chance. That, I mean, as a, as a nation, church, we've asked God to get out of our lives. We've asked Him to get out of our schools. We, we asked Him to get out of our leadership, to get out of our government, to get out of our marriage, get out of our wombs. Why doesn't God just blow this planet up? Because he's fair and is just and is God's will that none should perish. He wants us all to have the opportunity to choose. If God would have blown everything up and killed everything yesterday, the people that are here new today for the very first time would never have had the opportunity to listen to God's love, to hear about God's grace, and to receive God's grace and love over their lives. Let me close with this. There was one miracle that I heard about in the Aurora, Colorado shootings. It was about a young lady named Petra. Petra means rock. There's got to be something there. I don't know if you heard about this story, but she was one of the people that were shot, right? And she got shot with shotgun shells, you know, a buckshot from a shotgun. And they hit her arm, and one shell, one uh, buckshot from the shotgun went into her nose, it went through her nose, and it traveled the whole length of her brain and stopped right at the back of her skull, scalp. And so she was rushed to the hospital and, you know, with very little hope 
They said, this girl has a hole in her nose, and it went through her brain. And once they took the, the MRIs and the pictures, they said, man, this, this, this bullet went through the entire brain. This girl's going to be brain damaged. She's going to be paralyzed. She's not going to have speech. Surely, I mean, there's, there's very, very little hope. Now, the, here's the miracle. When they examined the pictures and when they examined the brain and the MRI and the scans and everything that they did, they realized the doctors understood that, listen, you know how none of our brains are exactly the same, right? We have the same quadrants and everything, but they're all, you know, it's like that, that gum, whatever, right? That ugly big shape that we see, right? Everybody in their brain has pockets of fluid. Some of us have a big cabezones. Some of us have little heads, right? But in our brains, there's little pockets of fluid. Do you know that Petra had a little pocket of fluid that went like a straw from the front of her brain to the back of her brain? You follow me? Do you know that the buckshot that went from his shotgun hit her face at exactly the right angle to go in through the nose to go through the opening of that little pocket of fluid to travel the exact length of the fluid pocket that she has without hitting any part of her brain and stop right at the back of her scalp where they could open up her scalp, remove it, and close her back up. Even the doctors were amazed and said, this is something totally unexpected. She woke up and, she, and they said, how are you doing? She said, I'm hungry. <laughs> how are you feeling? Because I'm in pain. I hurt all over. Remember, she's shot. So the fact that she's feeling pain, that she's acknowledging hunger, her brain is fine. She had a bullet go from the front to the back and she's good. And the doctors were amazed, and the doctors said, this, this, this is unexplained. If the, if the buck had, had deviated even a millimeter, it would have wiped out a part of her brain that could have handled speech or thought or this or that. But it went strictly through that. Listen, so the doctors were amazed. This is something totally unexpected. And so her pastor, she has a pastor. Co- coincidence? Her pastor was asked to, to be with the family during that time and he was there and he's seeing this, these miracles and, and they asked him to write about it in his blog and he wrote in his blog, a little pastor from Colorado, all of a sudden his blog went viral. It was getting over 50,000 hits a day. So many people saying, praise God, this is an amazing story, glory to God, oh my God, this is so amazing, a miracle. But a lot of other siders... Non-believers were saying, how can this be a miracle? This is disrespectful for you to call this a miracle. What about the other 12 that were killed? What about the other? How come, how come God saved this girl but didn't, but let everybody else be killed? If God is so good, why didn't He save all of them? If God is so powerful, why didn't He stop the killer? Now, while, while some people had a real problem with the pastor calling this a miracle, some called them names, some attacked them, but many people, they were just sincerely asking, listen, community of faith, there were 48 people shot and 12 were killed. Where's your God now? Why did God allow that? 
And church, those are good questions to ask. Amen? When we read the stories and hear this, I'm sure we ask, why? Why didn't God stop the gunman? How come only one of the victims that were shot had a specifically designed brain that God had designed 22 years ago for this particular moment that she would be shot at exactly this angle, that she would turn her head at exactly the right time, that he would angle the gun exactly the right way to go right through that without damaging her? Why? There was a six-year-old that was killed. Why? Why didn't God stop that? And, and, and we could say, well, was it because Petra went to church? Was it because she had a pastor? We could say maybe. But that doesn't explain all the bad things that happen to Christians. Amen? I do believe, however, and Pastor Gary and I were talking about this, and we do believe as Christians, listen, when we believe and when we submit to God, He's in total control of our lives. I do stand strongly and believe that whatever happens to us, we believe that in the lives of believers, God controls everything. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good, to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. All things work together for good to those that love God. Does that mean bad things don't happen to good people? No. We can go around the room and tell horror stories of the things that have happened to us and the things that we've had to endure and the things that we've had to see. We can also testify around the room and say, I, I never thought I was going to get through this. This was a horrible thing. And I, and I said, God, I don't understand why you allowed this in my life. But many of us can come to the point now where we've come around and say, God, I understand. God, I thank you for what happened because of that. God, I thank you for what I've learned through that. God, I thank you that even through that, you, in my weakness, you were strong, God. <laughs> Does it make it any easier? No. For some reason, God doesn't give us all the answers to all the whys, but what He did do was send Jesus to join us in our suffering. So where's God? Here's a picture for you. Luke tells us that when Jesus approached Jerusalem and He looked out over it, when Jesus approached the city of His people, of those that were called according to His name, it says that He wept. And Matthew 23 gives us the words. He says, Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who have killed the prophets, you who stoned those who were sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you, my children, and gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, but you were not willing. Where's God, family? God is calling out to each and every one of us. He's knocking on our doors. Worship team, you guys can come up. He's covering us. He's guiding us. He's speaking to some of us right this very moment. See, church, it's not fair to not want to walk in God's will and still expect His protection. 
It's not fair to not want to live the way God created us to, to not want to live that way and then blame Him for what happens with our lives. Church, God is not Siri, an emotionless robot that's there to serve us. The truth is we were created to serve Him. One of the comments on the pastor's blog was a a believer responding to an atheist that was going crazy on him. And he writes, It's our choice both as individuals and as a society to rebel against God and to ignore what He said. We embrace a culture that is so selfish. We feel free to hurt other people for any number of reasons. We embrace a culture that glorifies violence. We embrace a culture that profits in the manufacturing and selling of weapons. We embrace a culture so hypocritical that we slaughter millions of babies legally, but react in rage when 11 adults face the same fate. Family, God didn't create these tragedies, but He can still work through them. I choose to believe and stand on the promises of God. And the promises of God say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love Him. So Jesus said, In this world you're going to have trouble. He also said, In my Father's house there are many mansions. And I go now to prepare a place for you. The real question today then is not, where is your God? The real question is, where are you?